Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Well, good evening, everybody. Good evening. <laughs> Welcome to BFC. A couple of weeks ago, we uh, might have been just one week ago. Things are a little bit out of sorts for me since we've had some special meetings, and that kind of gets me out of this groove. So I think it was last Wednesday because Pastor JC was here with us. We talked about the glory of God. And so we're going to continue that tonight. And we, we put down a definition as to what is the glory of God. What is God's glory? And we simply define God's glory as the manifested presence of God. We could say it this way, the manifested anointing of God. Now, what does God's glory do? Go back to Romans 6, 4. What, what is the importance of God's glory? Do we, do we really need his glory? What does it represent? What does it do? Over here in Romans 6, 4, we see something very significant that God's glory did in our behalf. Romans 6, 4 says that we have been buried with him him being Jesus, we were buried with him on the cross. And we were baptized into death. This isn't talking about water baptism. This is talking about spiritual baptism. Water baptism represents what happened to us spiritually. We were submerged in death. You know that Jesus became sin for us, so he died spiritually for us. Too many people put the, so much emphasis on the physical death of Jesus, but you know that alone would not have saved us. Too many people are body conscious instead of being spiritually conscious. Foremost and most important, what Jesus did on the tree is he died for us spiritually. He became as we were, separated from God. Amen. Amen. But it, it didn't just end there with death, did it? In that death, we became in Christ as being raised up from the dead. You see, Jesus in the grave, Jesus in the midst of hell for three days, paying the price for our sin, when he justified the claims of justice for us and serving that term to satisfy the payment that we deserve for our sin, our fallen state from God, when all that was taken care of, then it says here, by the glory of God, or the glory of the Father, Jesus was raised from the dead. Amen. King James says that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, how and by what? By the glory of the Father, even so we also should live 
or to walk in the newness of life. You see, we, we ask the question, what is the glory? We say it's the manifest presence of God. What does it do? Well, it, one thing it does is it imparts life. That's a woo-hoo moment right there, right? The glory of God will take that which is dead and make it alive. That means it'll take that which is sick and make it healthy. It'll take that which is poor and make it rich. It'll take those who are fearful and depressed and give them hope. Hallelujah. And give them purpose. So God's glory is important and it's very significant because without it, the price that Jesus paid wouldn't be brought into fruition without his resurrection. Without that which was dead made alive. So the glory is important for you and I because it's an instrument that God uses through the Holy Ghost to give us that abundant life that Jesus came to give us. Come on now, you just, just stir yourself up tonight. So Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of God. And that reveals that God's glory has both the life and the power to take a person that is dead, either spiritually or physically, and make them alive. So let's say it this way, God's glory is the power and the anointing to create God's will on the earth. So where does this glory come from, or what is the source of this power? You already know, it's over there in Romans chapter 8. You're in chapter 6, go to chapter 8. He talks here in verse 11, Romans 8, 11, he talks about the spirit of him. It says, but if the spirit of him, this him is Jesus. Remember Jesus said he'd send his spirit to represent him. That's why we can say Christ in us, the hope of glory. So the spirit of him, which is the Holy Spirit, that which raised up Jesus from the dead. Now, wait a second. What do you mean the, the, the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead? I thought the, the glory raised Jesus from the dead. Well, guess what? The Holy Ghost is the glory of God in manifestation. So the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, raised up Jesus from the dead. If that spirit dwells in you, well, does he? Does that spirit dwell in you and I tonight? Amen. I said, does that spirit dwell in you and I tonight? Yeah. Amen. Right? Because we were born by that spirit. And he's come to make his home in us. Look what he does. Since he dwells in you, then that same spirit, that same glory that raised Christ from the dead shall also make alive what? The body that is doomed to death to be healthy. Amen? I'm so glad for the life of God. I'm so glad for the Holy Spirit, the glory of God that lives in us. You know, we all have a measure of God's glory in us. And then soon after, or immediately after the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we have that glory then comes upon us. Amen. 
So we're finding out that the glory of God is the Holy Spirit. It's part of his ministry on the earth, in us and upon us, or should I say through us, that manifests itself to bring life and light. Look over in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Yeah, I like talking about the Holy Ghost. He's the one that manifests the will of God in our life. That He's the agent from heaven that lives in our midst on earth. And he's the one that performs, he reveals and discloses, and he also manifests the the will of God into our life by his power and by his virtue. Every day we have the we have the potential in us through him to have a miracle. Amen. Thank you, Lord. From seeing something with our heart that we've never seen before to knowing what to do in a situation when our mind is clueless, to having protection upon us. You know, when we get to heaven, there's going to be so many times that it'll be revealed to us that God kept us from being harmed on earth. By his provision of protection. Every day we experience miracles that we don't even recognize. Germs that die when they touch us. People that are speaking over us who words fall to the ground without being sown against you. That's your inheritance. Amen. Glory to God, I get excited about being in Christ. It says in 2nd, is that where we're going, 2nd Corinthians 3.17? It says that the Lord is that spirit. He's that manifestation of himself through the Holy Spirit. It says that where the spirit of the Lord is. Well, where is the spirit of the Lord today? In us. You know, you and I need to make that more and more real to us. Amen. You know? That God is no further than right inside. And you know it's going to be that way for eternity. Remember, the Bible says nothing shall separate us from him. We'll always be one with him. We'll always be in him. And he'll always be in us. Look at this. It says that where the Spirit of the Lord. So that's talking about me. That's talking about you. Right? It says that where he is and he's in us, therefore we have what? Liberty. It's good for us to realize that anything that attempts to bind us, even as insignificant as it may seem, you know, like like a worry, like a fear, like an anxiety, like an apprehension. We don't have to tolerate it. Because God the Spirit is in us and we have liberty. We have freedom. Amen? We walk in liberty. I like to to look at it like you, you and I are like Teflon. Nothing sticks to us, baby. Right? 
It might hit us, but it's going to slide off. Why? Because greater is he that's in you and me than he that's in the world. So it says here that because the glory is in us, because God the Holy Spirit is in us, remember, he's the agent of life and light and truth. Amen. And that agent is in us. Now you realize that we have to loosen it and allow it to work. We know that, right? It comes down to what we believe he says to us that is true and real, and, and that truth and that light that you and I are walking in. Amen. That's what makes us Teflon, right? Nothing the enemy brings can stick. Oh, it may appear like it's going to stick, but it has to go. Amen. 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 I mean, just, just think about the devil. He was just having a party for three days yeah. <laughs> when Jesus was in hell. Yes. He was going... We got him now. Woohoo! We win now. Woohoo! I'm taking over God's throne. I'm taking over God's throne. But you know, Sunday's always coming. Amen. Resurrection's always coming. If God's involved, resurrection's coming. And so I don't care how it looks today. Today, it don't matter how it looks. What matters is what we believe and what light we're walking in. Because the Holy Spirit, as we'll see in just a moment, is the agent of change. Amen. Look at this. So where the Spirit of the Lord, there's what? Liberty. I said there's what? Liberty. liberty. And all that's associated with liberty. Liberty from what? All that binds. Yes. Every strategy of the enemy, whatever it might be. And then it says in verse 18 that we all, all that have the glory in us, with an open face beholding or looking into a mirror. Do you know that this, this book is a mirror? I kind of like what Andrew Womack says. He, he says that nobody's ever seen themselves. You've only seen a reflection of yourself, whether it be a picture, whether it be in a mirror, or what people tell you how you look. I've never stepped out of my body and turned around and looked at myself. And so is it with our spirit. We've never seen ourselves, but we, can ha we have a mirror that tells us how we look. <laughs> and just in case you don't know, you look good. In this mirror. <laughs> you look good in this mirror. Amen. I don't care what the natural mirror is saying. That's not me. Anyway. So what? My house needs a little painting. Right? I'm in him. And so he says that when you behold in a mirror, in the book that the Holy Spirit wrote to describe how you look and who you are, what you can do, and what you have, it says that you are changed. Hmm. Amen. You are changed into the same image from what? Glory to glory. Mm -hmm. 
Now, it says glory to glory, but really what it means is seeing the glory and then seeing it again, and every time you see it, more change takes place. This is why we don't stop pressing in. We, we don't ever get satisfied. Well, you know, I really know a lot. <laughs> well, <laughs> pride's a strange thing, <laughs> right? We, we don't know as much as we can know. Amen. And we'll never know as much as he knows. That's, right. That's why we have an eternity to try and access all that God is. Yes. And we'll still never get it done. Every day is going to be a, oh, kind of a day. They didn't know that. No wonder. Wow. Because we're going from glory. You see what that glory is and who you are in that glory. And then comes more. And Oh, I'm even more than that. And I'm now I see I'm here. And glory to glory to glory. Now, this word change is pretty interesting from the Greek it's where we get our uh, word metamorphosis. I can remember um, years ago, my dad was a salesman and we traveled around all, all around states and at one point we were in Cincinnati, Ohio. And so we're living in Cincy and I was probably, I don't know, well I went into kindergarten that year so I was probably six. And there was a little cocoon outside the house and so I asked my mom about it I said what's what's up with what's what's this fuzzy little thing outside the house and she says well there's a caterpillar that made that cocoon and he's going to be transformed into a butterfly and so I named the cocoon cookie where that came from, I don't know. I was six years old, all right? But it was cookie. And my mom was pretty cool. Uh, you know, I had this cocoon, you know, I took it out from outside the house and put it in a box in the house, you know, and threw some grass in there so it could eat it. And it was really, and she played along. And then somehow one day she must have captured a butterfly somewhere and stuck it in the box. And then I opened it up, and I went, cookie, and flew, flew, flew away. But that's what that metamorphosis means. It means to change. It means to be transformed. It means to be transfigured. And the glory of God will transform us as light comes from the glory and we receive that light, we become more like him each time we're exposed and, and take that glory and walk in it. Amen. You know, and one day we'll be like cookie. Right? And we'll fly away, oh lordy. Amen? Understand this, that one moment in the glory of God can change us forever. Amen. Amen. 
And I bet you can look over your shoulder and, and can remember times when you received the light of his glory that, that, that you saw yourself in and your life took on a course correction in that light. And we need course corrections. Yes. Let's just say it this way. I need course corrections, yes. right? Yes. Because I want to be in his perfect will, not his permissive will. And I want to be walking, locked, in, locked arms with him along the way. And so I need those reflections. I need that metamorphosis that I become more like him through seeing myself by the glory in him. Going over to Acts chapter 9, we're talking about how the glory can change us, how that glory can be an agent of change. And you remember who Saul of Tarsus was? He was out, I think what the King James says, that he was breathing threatenings against the church. It was his job to, uh, you know, remove and and hinder and, and really try to erase what they called the way uh, Christianity. It was, it was his, he was one of those individuals that was sent by the, by the Jews in cooperation with the Roman Empire to just completely uproot these people who were following this person, Jesus Christ. And so he was here in verse 3 of Acts 9, he was on his way with documents that gave him authority to even kill Christians and persecute Christians. And so he came near Damascus and suddenly shined round about him a light. Well, what is this light? Well, it says it's from heaven. We all, we all know that the glory sometimes will manifest itself in the seen realm. And we've got to be careful that we don't become so enamored or so excited about seeing or sensing or, or you know, feeling the glory of God because really that's in the realm that doesn't bring about change. We've got to be careful that we don't seek the spectacular and miss the supernatural. If the glory does manifest, the first question we should ask ourselves is, okay, Holy One, what are you endeavoring to bring forth? What are you doing? How can I cooperate with what you're about to do or end or are doing? So here comes the glory of God. Here comes a guy that is out to destroy the church, and he is confronted with the glory of God. It says that he fell to the earth in verse 4, and then he heard a voice. I remember years ago, it was after a service at Ramah, and I was just kind of sitting in the afterglow of the service, and all of a sudden, there was this man standing, you know, in my proximity. I, I kind of 
assumed that he, maybe he was a minister. I, I don't know. I didn't recognize him, but he was somebody who was visiting the services. And then all of a sudden, I saw this person come up to him, and he said, um, you know, I had an encounter with the Lord. And he started to describe to this minister, I assume, what the Lord looked like. And he began to describe his experience. And the minister stopped him and says, I don't care what he looks like. I want to know what he said. And I went, Ugh. oh, carnal me. I think sometimes we go after the spectacular and we miss the gold of what he's attempting to do or to say. So Paul didn't get so enamored about this spectacular encounter he had with God, he started listening. And he listened to what the glory this manifestation of glory, which allowed Jesus to speak in his presence, and he began to listen to what he said. And it was actually Jesus speaking, and he says, Saul, Saul. Kind of interesting, he said his name twice. Maybe that's why my wife repeats my name multiple times. <laughs> Notice the revelation here. Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Have you ever thought that the persecution that, that you're receiving is against you? It's not. against Jesus. Remember Christ in us, the hope of glory? It's interesting that in this aha moment in the glory Saul at that time said, who art thou Lord? <laughs> he got the Lord right, he just didn't know who the Lord was. And Jesus says, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutes. And he tells him, it's going to be hard for you, young man, if you're going to kick against the pricks. And Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what would thou have me to do? Don't be so enamored by the manifestation of glory. Be enamored by what is being revealed, what is being said, what direction is being given, what act of life is being imparted. And so then he gives him further instruction, and the man we now know as Paul the Apostle followed them. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad for the glory of God? 
Amen? That, that manifestation of glory not only changed Paul forever, but it's had an impact on you and I. Isn't it something? One moment. One moment. You know, one thing that I, I pray for my loved one, you know, it, it's interesting how, how sometimes your perceptions of what Christianity is like and what, what will happen to you when you become a Christian and, and all that God's going to do, you know, through you, you, you kind of have these romantic ideas, and I never thought that after 40 years of walking with the Lord that any of my relatives would be going to hell. Not for a moment that I think that was possible. And so, since it hasn't manifested yet, I'm still praying for what we call unsaved loved ones. Right? One of the things that I'll pray from time to time is that I would I pray and ask as you as you please. I ask to have an encounter with you. Because if you really think about it, that's really what happened to you and I. How did we go from not seeing to seeing in just a moment of time? It was an encounter, right? That we stopped seeing with our intellect and with our senses, and and all of a sudden we saw with our heart. Because I knew about this person, Jesus Christ, all my life. I actually believed in him to the point that he was who he said he was. He did what, he, what the book says he did and, and that there was a heaven and a hell and the Bible was the word of God and, and I just believed in Jesus like I do in George Washington. Right? Historical figure. But all of it was right up here. But all of a sudden there was an encounter. And so I pray for my loved ones, Lord, as you will and as you please. I ask that you have an encounter with this loved one. And just keep praying the Ephesians prayer. Keep praying that God would send laborers to them. Keep believing that the Holy Spirit would cause that word to come to the remembrance, you know, because you've known the scripture since the child, which is able to make you wise unto salvation. And just keep the pedal to the metal. Believe in God. Amen? Thank goodness the Apostle Paul, with this encounter, accepted the Lord. Amen? Amen. So many times when the glory manifests, there comes some natural evidence or signs that he's there. But more times than not, you and I will sense his glory or the manifestation of his presence with an inner knowing and perception. That's really how it manifests the most times in our midst because we don't need to see the glory to know the glory is there. We don't have to feel it. We don't need goosebumps. Right? We know when that presence manifests. I can remember a time early on 
as a pastor. And there was this young man. Uh, he was older, older than me at the time. He was probably in his 40s. I was in my 30s. And uh, he had cancer. And uh, somehow he found out about our church. And, you know, they asked for an audience. And, and so I went and ministered to him and got him saved. And, uh, you know, yet the doctor said he had to die. And so we would go to his house. He was, they, you know, the doctors had sent him home. And he was, you know, like in this, this hospital bed at his house. And so uh, one night we decided we're just going to pray all night. Just believe God all night. And so we went to his house. And, uh, you know, we had released our faith. We were God. And, and for the most part, we were just praying in the Holy Ghost. And we just prayed for hours. And all of a sudden, in the wee hours, I sensed Jesus walk into the room. And I didn't see him. But on the inside, I was there. Amen. And I could sense that he was standing right at the bed. And I told the guy, I said, there's Jesus. Receive your healing. And he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. Jesus remained there for a little bit, and then all of a sudden I just sensed him leave. And it was just so real to me. I later asked the Lord, I, you know, why, why didn't he receive his healing? Why didn't he reach out and receive you? And I found out later that he had lived a pretty wild life. And he was kind of ashamed of how he had lived, squandered his life. And he didn't want to face, you know, his friends and relatives if the Lord had healed him. I guess that he had talked so badly about Christianity and about Christians that he didn't want to be that guy that changed his mind. But he went home to glory. The Lord didn't take him, but the Lord did receive him. Amen. Amen? There's been several times, you know, when I pray at the church, I remember we were over in the 105 building in Berthoud, and I was there by myself. It's interesting, most of the times these things happen when no one's there. I don't know why that is, but I was just, I was just there uh, minding my own business praying, you know? not expecting anything. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's Jesus standing in the back of the room. I knew exactly where he was. And all I could do was just get down before him and worship him. Amen. Didn't see him. Didn't feel him. No, no spectacular manifestation, but in here. I knew he was there. And that's happened several times to me. And every one of them is like it happened just yesterday. 
you guys have those kind of encounters. You just, something about the atmosphere changes. You're not trying to make it happen. You're not believing for it. You're just kind of, you know, being quiet and knowing that he's your God. And all of a sudden, you sense a presence. I'm not saying every time that happens, it's Jesus. I mean, I've only had that experience with Jesus three times. The other times I've had it, it's just a, just a manifest presence of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And I'll tell you, it's a moment that just, just humbles you, you know? Who am I that you would come into my presence, you know? I know that's a carnal way of looking at it, but that's your first thoughts. But then you realize, oh, he made me holy so I could be with him. Amen. I remember one night, we used to live up at Carter Lake, and my wife and I were in our, our first house up there, and I was listening to a Charles Capps tape, cassette tape. Do they even have them anymore? <laughs> and I, I was taking notes, and, you know, I wrote some things down, and Mary was already upstairs in bed. The boys were downstairs in bed, and I was up by myself. And this was really my first encounter with the glory of God. And so I had shut the tape off, and I was just, I was just worshiping the Lord, and I was singing in other tongues. And uh, like I said, this is the first time this happened. And then all of a sudden, it seemed like this light came into the living room. There was kind of a glistening to it. Mm -hmm. Almost like, you know how snow, when the sun is reflecting off of it, there's like a glistening because of the inner, inner, individual flakes and kernels of snow it just kind of reflects that. And I can remember the goosebumps like stood on the back of my neck and all over my body. And I didn't know what it was. And I stayed in that for just very sh a short amount of time. And it just startled me so much that I just ran up to bed. It's humbling, but... It, I'll tell you, if, if we can stay in that glory as long as it lasts, we receive impartations of life. We, we, we receive impartations of light. And we start seeing and understanding things. And, and we begin to go into that metamorphosis of change. We, we kind of come up to a, a new level in God because we have more light more understanding I'm not sure what time it is 10 of go to Exodus 3 1 now we saw Paul we talked about some encounters I've had I know that you've had encounters 
And here in, in Exodus 3, 1, I, I think you understand about this testimony of Moses. It says that he was keeping the flock of uh, his father-in-law, Jethro. And he, he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and he, he came uh, to the mountain of God. And in verse 2, it says that the angel of the Lord appeared unto Moses. Now, it says that in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. Now, again, we, we talked about how the glory sometimes will manifest itself and becomes visible to us. Sometimes it'll manifest as light. Sometimes it'll manifest as fire. Sometimes it'll manifest as a cloud. Sometimes it'll manifest all those at the same time. Here, the fire of the glory on the bush manifested before Moses. And it says that Moses looked and he behold the bush that burned with fire, and yet the bush was not consumed. And Moses, uh, apparently this got his attention. He says, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Because he sees this blazing fire, yet the bush isn't being consumed. And it says that in verse 4 that when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, it says that God called unto him. Remember, the purpose of the glory isn't to give us a thrill. It's to impart light. Sometimes through instruction, sometimes through revelation, sometimes it'll actually impart life in our, in our midst, into our body. And here, the Lord began giving him instruction in that manifestation of glory that affected all of humanity. Wow. In Acts 2, 1, it talks about the day of Pentecost. How about it? we just call it a, a day of an encounter with the glory of God? It says, when that day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all uh, with one accord in one place. As Jesus had told them, he says, I, I'm sending my spirit back to you. Wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Spirit. And then all of a sudden in verse 2, there came a sound from heaven. Sometimes the glory will manifest as a sound. Sometimes the glory will manifest as a sweet smell. I remember one time at school, in the midst of a service, the glory manifested and I could smell flowers. It says that they heard a sound from heaven. Notice it says from heaven. Not every sound is from the Lord. This one was. Not every manifestation is from the Lord. Amen. 
Here comes this sound of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And then all of a sudden there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. Not it was fire, but it was like fire, just like that bush that was burning before Moses. And it says they were all filled. Amen. It says that they were all filled. Amen. <laughs> With what? The anointing. They were all filled with the glory of God. They were all filled with a burning bush. How do we know? Because they began to speak. Hallelujah. Every time the Holy Spirit manifests himself in our midst, he is there to do or say something. He's there to impart something. He's there to perform the mandate that Jesus gave him is that I have come that they may have life and they may have it abundantly. Hallelujah. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27, it talks about the return of the Lord and how that he would present it, the church, to himself as a church that is filled with glory. King James says a glorious church. It says that we'll not have spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but we shall be holy and without blemish. How many of you know that we're that church now? I said, we're that church now. We are the glorious church. Amen. 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 The glory of God is in us. The glory of God is upon us. We are without spot. We are without wrinkle. We are without blemish because of what Jesus did for us. Hallelujah. I like this promise in Haggai 2.9. Because, you know, we have a promise from the Father that the church in the last days will have more glory than the church in the early days. We'll have more glory than Israel had. We'll have more glory than the, the early church. And if you go through the book of Acts, they had a lot of glory. Haggai 2.9 says that the glory of this latter house. Which house? The latter house. Now, he ain't talking about a church house. He's talking about the house in which the glory resides. That's in you and in me. We are the house of the Lord. Did you hear me? We are the house of the Lord. We are the temple of God. Amen? Amen. So when it says that the glory of the latter house, you are the latter house. Woo! Right? We are the the latter house. He says this latter house 
will have more glory than the former house. So you can go through any scripture in God's book where the glory manifests and, and, the, and the glory did this and the glory did that. You and I will see and have more than that. Because we're the last day church. That's it. We're the third day church. Yes. We, I think we all believe this, we are the generation that the Lord will return. Every generation has to believe that. Because Jesus says, I come quickly. And we've never been any closer to his return than tonight. Right? Aren't we closer tonight than we've ever been before? Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Let's just stay away from the yeah, buts. Don't be a billy goat Christian. Right? But, but, but. We're the last day church right here, kids. We're it. We're the ones that Jesus is coming for. Because we're glorious with his glory. Amen? The glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place, what is this place? That house that has that greater glory, I will give peace. <laughs> Saith the Lord of hosts. I wrote down this statement, and I believe it with all my heart. I trust you do too. One body, one assembly of believers that allows the presence of God to manifest itself in their midst and allow that glory to move in that presence will do more for God's kingdom than a thousand churches doing things their way. God can always do more through us than a man can do by himself. And that's why we as the last day church, we as believers that, that have a relationship with the Lord to the degree where we are willing to allow the Holy Spirit to manifest in our midst, that anything is possible. Anything. Anything. Right? Anything. He can save people that were like me. He can heal people that no doctor can help. He can deliver ones that have been bound by alcohol and drugs for 50 years. that presence of his glory. And that's why you and I, as a body, we need to contend for God's glory. 
Yes, we want the word of God. Yes, we want to worship God. Yes, we want to serve God. But we also have to give place to God. We have to allow him to speak through us, to act through us, to manifest himself in our midst. Amen. Amen. Therefore, we can't be ashamed of the Holy Spirit Amen. and his ministry. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Go ahead and stand up. I thought we'd be done tonight. Well, I thought maybe we were done last Wednesday. But I, it may be such that we may stay on this just one more week. My question is, how do we contend for the glory of God? Does the glory of God just show up when God wants it to show up, or do we have a part to play? Do we just kind of wait around, you know? Oh, maybe he'll be here today. Maybe he'll be here tonight. Maybe next week. Do we just wait around for the glory to manifest? Or, or do we have a part? Can we actually contend and give place to God's glory? Can, can we actually have a consistent invasion of the Holy Spirit in our midst? That we don't have to go from, you know, decade to decade to get, you know, him to, to be in our midst? Or can we have it more consistently? You understand? Now, I understand that the, that the Lord has different things that he's trying to accomplish in every service. And we need all those different kinds of services, but we do need those services where the Holy Ghost is manifesting. Amen. I know I need it. I know I need it. Amen? So, Father in heaven... We want to thank you for the glory of God. And I want to say this publicly, Lord. I am not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm so thankful that you have given us the Holy Spirit, not only to live in our heart, to be our helper, to be our teacher, to be our guide, to be our standby, our advocate, our healer our provider, but, but Lord, we've also been baptized with the Holy Ghost, yes. and we are tongue talkers. Amen. We are filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in a heavenly language. Thank you so much for not only coming to live inside of us, but upon us. Yes. Thank you. Yes. And so, Father, I ask that you would stir up a hunger in our heart for more of you. Not just in our lives individually, but in our midst collectively. That we will experience services where your presence will become so manifested that we in our hearts know that you're there and that you're in our midst and you're doing that which pleases the Father in our midst. We are not ashamed of you, Holy One. 
Thank you for raising up this place where you can come, where you can speak, where you can manifest, where you can do the will of God in our midst. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for coming out tonight, guys.